This is a Colored Pencil Podcast, session number 173. Welcome to Sharpened Artist, a Colored Pencil Podcast, where we discuss in detail all things in and around colored pencils and the colored pencil artist. And now your hosts... Lisa Clow and John Middick. Hello, my name is John Middick of SharpenedArtist.com, and I'm joined, as usual, by my co-host, Lisa Clow of Lockery Fine Art. Lisa, how are you today? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing never better, and this is a show about colored pencil where we discuss anything and everything surrounding this medium that we love so much. We also do reviews, we talk about techniques, and we do interviews. Speaking of interviews, Lisa, who are we talking to today? We are talking to artist Holly Bedrosian. So Holly, thank you so much for coming on the show today. We're so excited to be able to talk to you finally. Oh, you're welcome. I'm honored to be here. So you are a portrait artist. Why don't you tell us kind of how you got started? Well, I, I actually, I've been doing it since about 2007. Um, but I haven't, I hadn't done it before that point. I actually went to school for physics and went on to work as an engineer for 10 years. So I graduated in 97 and until, until 2007 worked as an engineer. And I pretty much didn't even draw at all that whole time. I didn't draw. I never, ever painted in my life. I used to like to draw, but, you know, work took so much of my time. I didn't have any time. And then one day I randomly drew a picture of my husband and I don't know, I just, something just clicked. I thought, you know, I really want to, I want to get into this. And I saw there was this free trial of this website. Um, and so I put the, that one picture up on this website and I just kept going online staring at it. And one day I said to my husband, what if I just quit my job and <laughs> became an wow. artist? And he said, sure. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, I mean, luckily we were able to do that. Um, yeah. and yeah, I, I love drawing people. I, I've always loved drawing faces. Um, and I thought, well, I'm used to drawing, so I'll try colored pencil because that seems like a natural transition, um, from pencil to colored pencil. But you know, it was very hard at first learning all the different colors and then layering the colors. Um, and I just, I just started to love it. And eventually I was oil painting, trying pastel, um, yeah, I guess it just took off from there. That's awesome. So how quick of a transition was it? I mean, from drawing and graphite, I'm guessing you were doing graphite, right? And then you went to colored pencil and then oil. So uh, talk to us about those transitions for a moment. I mean, how how many years or was it years that you were doing graphite before colored pencil? Well, the funny thing is when you say doing graphite, I never, I never actually worked in graphite i'm talking about oh, okay. a child and i was drawing in pencil oh, I just giving giving my drawings as, as gifts to my friends and family um and i honestly don't think i drew much of, at all since graduating from college to you know till 2007 um which was 10 years um but you know i knew how to draw in pencil and i thought okay i'll just buy a little box of prismacolor colored pencils <laughs> and start mm -hmm. trying that and, um, yeah, at first it was really difficult just thinking about value and color at the same time. Um, since then I've learned a few tricks, you know, to overcome that problem. But at first that was my biggest 
obstacle because I would forget about value and I would just think about color because it's my favorite thing is color. Um, and then, you know, the, the picture wouldn't look like the person. It wouldn't look right. So um, that was the biggest challenge at first. Um, going into oil painting was was crazy because I was so used to holding a pencil and all this fine detail right away, whereas oil painting, I tended to, I mean, you're supposed to start more, well, not I shouldn't say supposed to, but people often start with a larger brush and you work down to the details as you go. Whereas with colored pencil, you kind of, you're forced to start at this very small fine point and work very detailed work. Um, so that was a challenge, but honestly, my first oil painting, I didn't know that. So I just worked with a small set of brushes the whole time. Um, and my first oil painting, if you have my website up, it's, I think it's on there. It's of my husband, Brian, and it's, it has like a dark background and it's just a stark portrait of his face. It's, that was my first oil painting ever. Um, and the funny thing is I liked how it came out. I still like it, but it was brute force, like work through it. Um, and then the, the paintings I did after that, I actually didn't like as much because I was starting to try methods I read about and it just wasn't working for me. Um, so I've done oil painting on, on and off. Very I interesting. Back to colored pencil because I'm more familiar with it. Okay, so that's that's really cool. Uh, thanks for sharing that. And so you mentioned something in there, and I know our listeners would just really be irritated if I didn't follow up on this one thing. You said that you were you know trying to work through and figure out um, the problems with value and color, and you've learned a few tricks to be able to accomplish that. So let's talk about that for a moment. Okay. Well, at first I was diving in and just grabbing all the different colors I saw and working with color and then thinking, oh yeah, but this part's dark, so I should add, you know, darkness. And once you lay down some color with colored pencil, as you know, you can't lay down, you can't, you can't change it that much. You know, at a certain point, you just, you're, you've hit the point of no return. Um, so what I learned to do was to really use a neutral kind of dark at first, almost like drawing. I, I'll use like a dark umber, a burnt umber, or something like that, and just get the values first. A little bit of the values, not too dark, just lay in the general values. And then I'll start adding a little color, and then I'll go, you know, check the values again, <laughs> see if I need more dark. Before I lay down too much pigment and I can't add any more color, add, add any more value. Um, and then I do light, I usually do light, light values last. Um, that just works for me. Um, but I also, I should say I work on a, a sanded surface, so it's a little bit forgiving. How, how long did you do that? I mean, were you, were you, uh, starting out on a sanded surface? Or no, how, I actually, yeah. I first started out on, I think it's Strathmore, um, like Bristol, is that what they call it? Bristol board or, or it's a smooth paper, very smooth surface. And as you probably know that you have to really reserve the whites, reserve the light colors. Yeah. Um, and so it was very meticulous from the, I had to have a perfect drawing, you know, which takes a while. And then I'd work very slowly and carefully and, um, just hours and hours and hours and hours it just took so long. Um, and that's, so my first few drawings were like that. Um, I'm trying to think of some on my, my website, but then, um, I, 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 someone, someone had mentioned, is it pastel board? And I tried that. And at first it was very frustrating because, you know, the pigment comes off really fast and it's very rough. But then I just loved how much pigment you could lay down. And I'm always anxious just to get that color down. I want to just cover the board with something and then I can get the details later. Um, so I guess I'm a little bit more of a, of a painter 
where I like to just get the get the values, I should say, or the colors, just get something down on the board and then add detail later. Um, so that that was the transition point. I think that was after a few years where I transitioned to a, a sanded surface. And now I work on, I don't usually use pastel board anymore. Now I usually use um, Fisher 400 paper, if you're uh-huh. familiar with that. Yep. Or, or I use um, color fixed, and I, I like this terracotta toned paper. Uh, and that's that's very difficult to work on, I find, but I still go back to it because I just like that color peeking through. Yeah, I've been been using uh, sanded surface, more textured surfaces for a while now. So you like that color, but you say it's more difficult as that compared to the Fisher four hundred or compared to the pastel board. Oh, or? I, I think it's more difficult to work with compared to the Fisher four hundred. But I should also say that that that's because I, I used to be using Prismacolor pencils. Um, exclusively, and they're very, they seem to be very waxy to me, mm-hmm. and so I had a hard time covering everything, and I don't want to cover all of the surface, but there are certain parts where you want to just cover up a lot of the orange, you know, you don't want any orange showing, or terracotta, and um, I just had a hard time with that, and I didn't always love the final results, especially photographing it. When you photograph it, it just tends to pick out those little orange pixels, and yeah. it just seems to get to be so much worse than real life. Um, but I recently, like just a couple weeks ago, maybe a little more, bought, um, Faber-Castell polychromos and those go on so much smoother. So now mm-hmm. I'm just combining them, um, on that surface. Yeah. So that's interesting. Um, yeah, this is something I, I try to wrap my head around as well. The differences here with color fix versus Fisher 400 or UART, UART sanded paper is uh, the one that I like a lot. I, I've used Fisher 400 as well. And it's pretty good, but yeah, you're right. I mean, I've, I've noticed that as well, that there, I don't know what it is. The surface of color fix does seem a little more, um, rigid or something. Yeah. The coverage, it does seem like it's more difficult to adhere, uh, you know, get the pigment to adhere to the surface. What sort of pencil do you use? Most of the time, polychromos and luminance. Okay. Yeah. Because I, I noticed that with Prisma, you, I mean, it's really hard to cover that surface. It almost feels mm-hmm. like you're doing wax on plastic. And it just yeah, will yeah, not exactly. Stick. Well, that's kind of the experience with luminance. Oh, yes. Yeah, I, I have a couple of those. I, I bought a few different brands to try. I mean, just a right. few, like <laughs> 10 pencils yeah. each. Um, but the the um, polychromos on that surface seem to work almost like pastel. Yeah, yeah. It's, and they blend real well. They do. It blends really well. But now now I'm dealing with all the, the um, dust everywhere. But there's always something, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> right? I found right. if you, when I use polychromos on the sanded paper, I put have to put down a sheet of Viva paper towels or an old t-shirt. It's more absorbent. Like the, the pencil sticks to it better. I find that that makes way less mess than I used to just leave the, because the, I work upright on an easel. I would have so much powder and it would take a while to clean and wipe all of that down. But the even yep. paper towel has re under the work has really helped because it seems to catch that powder better. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's a good idea. Actually today for the first time I put a tissue under my hand. I usually just smudge it across and then <laughs> get angry about it. But yeah, that's a good idea. That's great. <laughs> you know, when you're talking about value and color though, I, I love that discussion right there. And it sounds like more you're doing like a grizz eye method or a chiaroscuro type of method, which I really like doing as well, just laying in those values. I mean, I heard a quote not that long ago that said, value does all the work and color gets all the credit. And I think there's a lot of truth in that. It's a very good quote. I like that. Yeah. 
I, I mean, I, I do add color pretty soon in the process. I don't get do everything grisa or however you say it, but it is um, important for me to get some of the darks in there because if I don't, yeah. especially under the eyes, under the mouth, I really underestimate how dark that is. Mm-hmm. Um, and if I don't put it down there, I'll just start adding color and then the person will look like a doll and it's not right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, or have that kind of a plastic kind of look without... Yeah some of those necessary uh, shadows there. Absolutely. Wow. I'm just looking at your site, though. I'm, I'm guessing maybe this is your son that uh, yeah. you've got a lot. Yeah. Oh, those are just fabulous. Those are so good. Yeah, I, I actually took kind of a break. I wouldn't say a real, a total break, but I took a, I didn't work that much for a few years. And this year, I just started really doing a lot more. And I started with, or last year, maybe I started with him. And now I'm getting into more figurative work. Um, I've been posting it to my Instagram a little bit, some of the new pieces I'm working on. Oh, cool. Now, do you take commissions? I That was what I started doing exclusively was portrait commissions, um, you know, portraits and portrait commissions. Um, but recently, I don't know, this year, I just, last year maybe, I decided I really want to get into more figurative work and not just do portrait commissions. Um, it, I just enjoy drawing what I want to draw, <laughs> painting what I want to paint, and hopefully it sells. But I do take commissions here and there. So Autumn Lace, number two, colored pencil and water-soluble pastel. Yeah, that's from a while ago. Yep. I, I went way back in the archives here. Yep. So <laughs> can you tell me a little bit about that one? That was, I, actually, those, that series, I, I had um, some photographs of myself outside. I'd set up a tripod and took them outside at my old house. Hmm. And it was in, I think that one was in the, was in the fall time. So the, the leaves are starting to change and I exaggerated the leaves, you know, just to make it a fun, a fun drawing. But that was when I also was, was, um, experimenting with the Neocolor water soluble crayons. Right. And that really helps you get a nice underpainting or whatever. And then you can do up the detail on the colored pencil. So that was fun. And it's, it's a nice bright, it allows for nice bright, you know, colors, the same with winter blues. I think I did that one the same way. But when you're talking about those those um, water soluble pencils, yeah, that's another reason I like working on the sanded surfaces is because I can just really fast lay down a background, lay down like I'm doing trees right now, and I'm just scribbling just to get the green there, the the greens and the browns, and I just want to get the color down and see what it looks like, right. and then and then I can refine it later. But if I'm working on flat, you know, smooth paper, I can't do that. You know, it's that meticulous little tiny, you know, every single leaf. I just don't, I don't want to have that effect in my work. So I, I want to keep it kind of rough in the background. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I, I didn't used to do this, but I, that's something I'm trying to do now. I just want to give the impression of the background and, you know, focus on the figures. Mm-hmm. What, so which one, um, looking at your gallery here, which one would you say is more uh, representational of that type of effect? now that you're talking about where you're just sort of suggesting the background i'll have to look give me a second <laughs> um actually maybe more in my oil gallery i mean some of these you're you really don't have a background i mean you, you yeah, have a right you have a, a gradation in color that's true and actually self-portrait um a second cup if you see that one and self-portrait with martini those are pretty mm-hmm. detailed backgrounds so right. um so that goes against what i just said i think maybe i'm thinking about oil more okay um, although the short sands, the one of my son on the beach, you know, that's a very rough background. It doesn't, maybe it doesn't look, look like it's rough, but it really is. 
Oh, I have one. I have an example. Spring. Do you see that one? It's um, I, it's a, it's me with a black shirt and it's all just green in the background. Oh yeah, yeah. Constant scribbles just to get that background in, but far away it looks like mm-hmm. I'm standing in front of like a tree or whatever. But you know, I, I had taken that photo and I thought, there's no way I'm going to draw this, but I like, I like the pose. And I thought, oh, I could just, you know, get rid of the background, not think about it. But I wanted to get that impression of just the greenery. And I, um, I mean, it was literally constant scribbling. And I had to work, I had to stand back and look at the photo and look at my drawing. That's another thing I tend to do is look too closely. But if you stand back, just get the idea, get the colors, get the values. Yeah. And just kind of scribble them in and keep going until it looks, <laughs> until it looks right. I love that so much because it looks very convincing. Uh, and it's because of the values and uh, the color placement and that sort of thing. But yeah, I mean, it's very realistic. The focus is on the subject. I love that. Very convincing. Very nice. So I notice you use yourself a lot. I, I have. As the subject. Myself. Yep, I have in the past. Most of my recent stuff isn't, except for that Coral Blaze one. That uh-huh. was That was me. Um, it's just out of convenience. Right. I really don't, I don't enjoy drawing myself. <laughs> but You haven't started approaching people like at Target and stuff like that? Um, <laughs> I well, do that all the time. That's why right I'm asking. Now, right now I'm painting a few um, women who live in my town, Salem, New Hampshire. Uh, and I actually, you know, sent out a um, message on the Facebook page for our town and got some responses, and I went around to different areas, and I'm, I'm drawing them and painting them. I think more of that shows up on my Instagram, um, what I'm working on. But, um, yeah, sometimes I'll take just candid shots of people and just, I mean, yeah. one I can tell you is that it's an oil painting, but it's um, it's the ice cream, the girl with the ice cream cone. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> she didn't know I snapped that, and I just painted it. <laughs> <laughs> so. But my husband and my son are very convenient because they're just here. I'm convenient. Right. Let, let me ask you this, then. What advice would you give a brand-new colored pencil artist uh, that's just starting out? Would you Would you tell them to start on, like, cotton paper like Stonehenge or a Bristol board or something like that? Or would you recommend that they start on one of these sanded surfaces like we talked about, one of these textured surfaces? I think it's really – I think it depends on your personality. Um, I'm very impatient, so I, I don't like to, I mean, I can, but I don't like to start with detail and go to, and, you know, continue with detail the whole time. Um, and I think if you're just starting out and you're learning how to draw, you might want to work, you might want to just start sketching. But then once you've done that, if you work on the sanded surfaces, I think you can kind of change your lines as you go a little bit. Um, it allows you to do that. Whereas the the paper doesn't allow for that. It's still fine to work on. I mean, it's just, I know a lot of people get around it by, um, you know, projecting images or tracing or whatever. But um, if you're working on your drawing, then maybe the sanded would be, would be better, I think. Yeah. It's, I've used, like, for example, the, the drawing next, if you can see that one with the kids and the, the music sheet, the sheets of music, um, it's a piano recital. And that one that was so detailed that I used a grid just to get the the drawing down, you know. And I'll just I'll do stuff like that just to get the drawing down. It helps. But someone new, I think it just depends on their personality what they want to work on. I know there's artists who are very they do amazing work, so detailed. They have such patience. I've seen them work, and I, that's just not me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you yeah. know, my personality is not that. So. 
Well, I feel like it spoils you. If you start out like on paper and you're using colored pencil, then yeah, it's it's um, laborious and it just takes a long time and it's meticulous. And like you said, you have to make sure that all the proportions and everything and perspective, all the composition, everything's correct from the very beginning. But on the other hand, if you're doing something on a sanded paper, you have all kinds of flexibility. Right. I don't know. I, I enjoy it a lot more just because I have that sense of intuitiveness and I can just change things on the fly if I decide to do that or if I look at it and say, oh, look at this. For two weeks, I've been drawing this incorrectly. I can change it, though, right now. Yes. Yeah. And that intuitiveness, that's a key. I, I totally agree with that. Um, I like to work, work fast and intuitively. And mm-hmm. later I can I can go closer and you know delve into the details. But my problem with the, with the smoother paper is that I tend to – miss the forest for the trees or whatever. Um, I just mm-hmm. tended to forget about the, the, what the overall impression was I was trying to give, forget what the character of the person was and look too closely. Um, in fact, I'll even take the side of a pencil and just, you know, scribble in color somewhere just to get the gist of something down. If I'm having a problem with something, you know, just yeah. to give myself the idea, the impression to, to mm-hmm. step back and, and realize what I'm trying to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've done that as well. That does help. That's a, that's a good tip. I'm glad you mentioned that. Yeah, I, I often don't even think about that when I'm doing it. It just all of a sudden happens. I'm you know putting, for instance, if I'm using something with a lot of blue, if the palette is mostly blue, then I may be knowing later on I'm going to use red or orange or something like that, and then I'll stick that over there just to be able to see it. Yeah. I, Another thing that you just reminded me with the blue, when I was working with um, any surface that you're working on, really, um, one thing I started doing early on was putting blue down too early. And that is just, I mean, with painting, you can just paint over it. If it's oil paint right. with color and pencil, if you put too much blue down, you can, you, you know, use complementary colors to try to knock it down a little orange, a little red that helps, but it's hard. Um, mm-hmm. if you put blue down and you really want a warm value there, that's something that I've <laughs> learned not to put yeah. down too fast, too early. I like using that surface to make texture itself and right now I'm, I'm drawing some rocks and what i'm what i'm doing so oh easy i'll just scribble in some colors yeah <laughs> the surface of the board to make it look right. rough or a uh-huh. sweater texture or you know things like that and then you can work with a fine point and use a little burnishing or whatever to make a smoother skin tone skin surface mm-hmm. but i like using the texture for for texture If an artist decided, they see your work, and they're like, wow, that is my goal. That is what I want to accomplish. Where would you suggest they get started for portraits? Let's say they're new to art. Where would they start? And then once they do start taking their own reference photos, what is it that you look for? What, the lighting, the, the like, what what all in composition are you focusing on to get work that looks like yours? But that's a great question because that's something that I really struggle with. Um, I'm not the best with composition, I don't know. Something just strikes me about a picture. I'm I'm not sure. I'm not the best person to ask about that, honestly. But I, I will also say, and this is going to sound like no help at all, but um, I've I've really struggled when I've tried to copy someone else's method. Um, like when I started oil painting, I just dove in and did it myself, and I didn't. I kind of liked the first piece I did. Then I started reading about different palettes and different techniques, and um, same with colored pencil. I'd read about different ways of doing it, and um, I, I just think you have to find what works best for you. I think everybody has different ways of working. Um, it sounds like uh, I'm not giving any advice at all, except I really don't 
I mean, it's good to take classes, read things, and, and take little bits and pieces out that make sense to you. But if it doesn't make sense, don't force it. I've tried and failed trying to follow other, other people's methods. So I think it's really important to find what works best for you. One thing that I've noticed, though, and this is one thing that just drew me to your work and always has, I've looked at you for several years, is the fact that the composition is very, very strong. And there is a single focus. There's usually a single point of, of focus for the viewer, uh, for me anyway. When I'm looking at it, I'm directed to one area usually. You know, It's not like I'm conflicted on where my eyes should be looking. I mean, T-Rex versus the orange. I know exactly where I'm going to look, mm-hmm. um, where I'm supposed to be looking. Uh, same way with several of the other ones that you've done of your son with... Uh, these dinosaur figurines. I mean, it's very obvious where you want the attention to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love that. I, I think a strong composition can actually overcome a lot of other issues. That's true. That's true. And mm-hmm. that's that's why I think a lot of my earlier work, I, I just didn't like it at all because it didn't have any, the composition was wrong. Um, and that's something I guess I'm starting to learn. I mean, I, I look at a bunch of photos and I just decide what, what strikes me. But for me, that's very intuitive. So I can't, I can't describe what that, what that is. Um, but it's something that I actually, you know, I'm not someone who can set up an intricate still life and create a great composition doing that. That's just not my forte. But, you know, one, one figure or one person or a couple of people is, is, is more my, <laughs> I never know. I would never know like what to put and where and what, you know, it just doesn't, it doesn't speak to me. So I, I can't, I love certain people's work. I'm, I just am blown away and I know, I, I know what I love, but I can't do it. <laughs> so. Well, that's one thing that keeps me going back to portraits all the time though, is that the subject matter is to me, it's just so compelling and the composition um, is more intuitive for me than still life. Me too. Okay, let's talk for a moment about your uh, awards and honors and just looking at your about page, all of the exhibits that you've got listed here, the publications you've been in, your memberships and affiliations. Um, I mean, it looks like this has been a real focus for you. I, I think it helps just to get my work seen and that's what keeps me going when people see my work. That's why I joined different organizations. That's why I enter certain shows. That being said, there are certain years where I'll enter only a handful. Other years I enter everything. And some years I get into a lot, some years I don't, you know. So it's also a good learning experience. Um, And it's interesting to see what different jurors choose. Um, Mm -hmm. I had the opportunity to to be a juror once um, recently for the Bold Brush competition, you know, the, the FASO website. Bold brush mm-hmm. competition, and that was just so much fun. Um, I really enjoyed doing that, but it also gave me insight into what the jurors have to go through. I mean, it's it, there's so much good work, and you have to decide, you know, what to choose. But um, I think it, I think it's a good opportunity. Just keep you know putting yourself out there, and hopefully your your work will get seen. That's why I enter all these exhibitions. And the, actually, the funny thing about that that show that I juried, I think everything I chose was was like a landscape or a still life. Nothing was a portrait. Oh, that's interesting. <laughs> and I have no idea why. I, I was trying to figure it out, except that I, the one thing they had in common, a lot of the ones I chose, was that they had very interesting light. Um, huh. that, that Maybe that was what, what it was, but um, it gave me insight into, you know, sometimes you'll enter something or enter 10 shows and not get into any of them and just be frustrated. But 
you know, you never know what the juror is looking for. So it's, it's a good experience. I like it. That's I've, interesting. I've, I've gone to a few of the shows, but I generally don't go unless they're closed or unless I, you know, make plans ahead of time to go. I've gone to two CPSA um, shows and that was a lot of fun. It's, it's really great to meet the other artists. Right. Um, so I think which I, ones did you go to? Um, it was 2009. I went in Georgia and then I went again. Yeah, it was 2014 in, in Florida. I went to that one too. 22nd annual. Okay. Yep. Yep. I'd like to go again. I'm not focusing on portrait commissions right now. I'm just trying to paint what speaks to me and hope or paint or draw what speaks to me. And hopefully people want to buy it or jurors find it interesting. But how I decide what to do is just, it's really just what I, what I want to draw, what I, what I like to look at, what I think is beautiful. I, I said this in an article that was about me recently. I just, you know, when I first started, I was trying so hard to create these works that were interesting or, you know, said something, um, made a statement. And I think that's some of my worst work. I just was trying too hard. It was too contrived. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I just want it to be naturally beautiful. I want it just to say something without having to jump through hoops. I don't want it to be obvious. I want you just to get something out of it just by looking at the person or that, you know what I mean? Without uh-huh. having to do something obvious. I think if, if it is contrived, then yeah, your work does suffer because you're trying to do something that is not you. You know, you're right. trying to force something that just doesn't come natural. And right. And sometimes, I mean, it's just so tired. And when you look at some of the things, it's like, yeah, we know what you're saying there. Um, mm-hmm. You know, we've we've seen it before, or we've seen we've seen you do that several times. <laughs> we get it. You know. Yeah. Uh, I mean, if it's something that's natural and something that the artist is wanting really to do, then, you know, I can see that. But, yeah. I think it goes back to personality, too. I mean, I think sure. people um, thrive doing that. Um, I don't. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> so so do you see in the future that maybe, I mean, do you think that your subject matter might change a little bit? Or are you only going to stick with portraits? Or is that going to change? What do you think? I definitely think it'll change, right? Right now, I mean, I think I'll definitely always include people in some way. Um, but right now, I'm trying to, not exclusively, but I'm trying to look a little more at the whole figure and, and give it more of a background, um, people in their environments a little bit more. I did that a little bit in the past, but I for a while, I just focused on just a face, you know? <laughs> yeah. And I like doing that once in a while. It's my favorite thing. Faces and hands are my two favorite things, especially hands. But, um, you know, I, I'm trying to tell a little bit more of a story, I guess, um, stepping back and seeing someone in an environment and telling a story. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And hands, hands are so difficult too. I noticed you include hands a lot of times, which is really nice because they're done so well. Thank you. I, people say hands are difficult, but to me they're easier than faces cause they can be, Really? well, yeah, I think they are. There's more, maybe there's more curves or whatever, but you know, you can, for me, I get distracted with faces. I I don't know what it is. I, th- I have this preconceived notion of what eyes look like, what a nose looks like. But with hands, I don't have that. that um, mm-hmm. it's, it's more ina- inanimate and yet not an object. It's still human. So I can just I just go really fast with hands. I, I mean, just today I drew hands um, on the, the portrait I'm doing, the drawing I'm doing right now. And it was, it took like an hour. And it was just mm-hmm. really fast. Wow. Just, I have it on my Instagram. But... Hmm. But faces, I'll struggle. Oh, here's another trick I used to do <laughs> with faces. Um, I had a problem with the chins always. They just didn't look right. 
Um, and so I'd have to turn the whole thing upside down, turn my picture mm-hmm. upside down and draw Mr. Chin again, if you know what that is. <laughs> the little character. I mean, I had to, I, I couldn't, I couldn't look at the face straight up and draw that chin. It never came out right. And the whole mouth too seemed off until I turned it upside down. But lately I've been really getting into spending more time drawing and I don't have to do that anymore. But that is something that if I do struggle, I'll always go back and do that. Cause that's a great, a great trick. Yeah, yeah, it really is uh, turning it upside down, and sometimes just turning uh, your drawing on the side, even, and right. making sure your reference is on the side as well. That's, uh, that's I'm glad you mentioned that because I I also sometimes will turn it on its side or, or mm-hmm. upside down just to make it easier to change the direction of the pencil strokes. Oh, right, right. Because I really like using the pencil strokes and having them show up in the final product. You may not see it online, but um, it gives it helps give a uh, contour to you know arms and hands and faces when you can use those pencil strokes or even just movement to trees or whatever I, I like having the pencil strokes show in the end a little bit I mean not in everything but in certain mm-hmm. parts just to yeah it's- I love that personally I mean I like seeing a little bit of a suggestion of the medium that's being used and when it's masked so much, you can't even tell what the medium is. I mean, there, there's a place for that as well. That That's pretty appealing sometimes. But I do like to see, if I'm looking at a pastel work, I like to see some of the strokes sometimes. Yep. Or it's colored true. pencil. I like once in a while to see some of that raw feel of, you know, the, the gestures behind uh, some of the finished artwork. Yep. So do you use solvent or any... Any other, um, you know, any anything else with your pieces, or is it just the pencil? Nope, I don't use anything else. I have tried solvent in the past, and like I said, I used those neo colors a long time ago. Right. But I just, I just use a pencil, and like I said, I like to keep the um, texture showing a little bit. Um, yeah. With neo color, did you use water with them as yep. well, or just dry? Okay, gotcha. Yeah, water. Yep. So are you burnishing? I mean, even on some of these, um, you know, more rigid surfaces, a sanded surface, I mean, are you are you building up enough layers to where you're actually pressing really hard on the final layer or anything, anything like that? I definitely did that. I mean, I do that in certain cases. Um, I tend to do that where there's a really light area of skin. Uh-huh. For example, the, the Patrick Age 6 one, it's a pretty small drawing. I did it on that textured terracotta board i don't know what drove me to choose that color for for this drawing it was probably not the right choice so i found myself burnishing all over the place just to get rid of that (laughs) terracotta color Mm, Um, mm -hmm. but um yeah i think it just depends on what part of the drawing i'm i'm doing and how how the final result to look if it's smooth i might burnish if it's if it's something that doesn't have to be smooth or a shadow or something i i probably won't bother or if i want to show the texture then i won't bother Huh. Yeah, that's that's fascinating. I, I'm just looking at this one. I really, really do like that a lot. I love the soft um, lighting there on the side of the face, and then it's also illuminating the cheek on the left side, our left side, a little bit as well. Uh, see, and this is what I like about the composition, I mean, with that kind of stuff, is you're using more of this uh, soft light. You don't. You don't have these harsh shadows. And I. I'm just personally. I just enjoy that a lot more. You know, it's a soft light, but it's also 
striking at the same time. It's yeah. just so well balanced. There is a decent amount of contrast. It's not like, I don't know, sometimes you full see a portrait and here. it's just yeah. so evenly lit. And the light source on these is just, yes, soft, but also, I don't know, it just draws you in. I'm glad you brought that up because I, I will say that when I first started, I relied very heavily on, um, you know, strong shadows to help the the drawing help mm-hmm. show the face. I'm trying to think of one here, maybe um, like the smile one or the quiet moment. Those are pretty heavily shadowed or, oh, even self-portrait with tea. That was one of the first ones I did. That's pretty dark shadow and it probably shouldn't be that dark. Um I probably over, and that's something I've learned too. Photographs will make the shadows too dark, the contrast too high. And I just got tired of that. And I, I saw some paintings and some portraits that I liked where they didn't rely on that shadow, that rely on that stark contrast. Um, so I, I experimented with that a little bit. Um, and, I, and I really like doing that. And, and when you look at someone in real life, even if they are you know, strongly lit from one side, it's, you still see the skin in the shadow. <laughs> Whereas I, right. you know, in the past I would, I would just, you know, color it in dark where it's not really life. It's not really lifelike. So I've learned a lot from what the, the photos will tell you and what they won't tell you. Yeah. I, I appreciate you saying that too. And um, yeah, I think that that is something that maybe a beginner artist kind of does uh, and nothing against your work. I love, I, I mean, I love the one uh, where you're holding the teacup, even the um, self portrait with tea, but I get what you're saying that, you know, it, it kind of helps the eye to roam around a little bit more when you have such stark contrast with the light and the dark, then your eye doesn't have to travel much or make much sense of everything. You, you immediately know, okay, yeah, that's, this is the lit part. This is the shadow. Okay, move along, you know. But where it's more diffused light, um, it it just gives you more to enjoy, personally. That's that's what I like about it. I think it's harder to do, too. I think it's hard I to think it is too. a face lit from the front or lit, you know, softly around it. It's hard to, to draw that and make it look real and not just the whole thing in peach, you know. <laughs> right, right. You know? Yeah, it, no, I would definitely agree with that. And, um, yeah, I... I've seen that um, as well with newer artists. I mean, they'll they want the strong contrast at the beginning, but then they start realizing, you know, it would be more compelling, <laughs> and it is more difficult. Um, it's not it's not as easy as what it looks uh, to get that soft, subtle gradation in uh, value. Right, that's probably my favorite thing right now to do that, and I mm-hmm. I love doing that in oil and in colored pencil. Right. Well, thank you, Holly, so much for coming on the show. I really appreciate it. I, I think that our listeners are really going to enjoy this and all of the information that you shared. I really think they're going to enjoy following you on Instagram and looking at all these wonderful images on your website as well. So thank you so much. Thank you so much. I really enjoyed it. It was really nice meeting you. Nice meeting you too. All the links that we mentioned will be there in the show notes. You can go over there and check that out at sharpenedartist.com podcast. This is a weekly show. We'll talk to you again next week. Bye. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. All the show notes can be found at www.sharpenedartist.com.